We live? We here? We're here again. Hello. We're back. Oh, there you are. I didn't see you on the other side of that studio glass. <laughs> <laughs> so professional. <laughs> I know. I love the studio upgrade. I know. This expensive equipment. <laughs> this is the way to go. We are Parababble. We're here weekly with you on Beyond Borders channel. And uh, we're here to talk about ghosts. Aliens. Bigfoot. Don't forget the chupacabras. Chupacabra, of course, the chupacabras. Overgrown dogs. <laughs> All things supernatural and paranormal. That's what we are. So I'm Allison Smith. I'm Rob Golito. And I'm Jeff Parham. And as you might have known by now, we are all members of PRONE, Paranormal Researchers of Niagara and Erie. Yay! We are all active paranormal investigators who have a overwhelming need for knowledge. Yes, knowledge. Yeah. I think so. Above all, we seek the truth. Or, yeah, we do. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but That's you never find here. any truth when it comes to this stuff, right? We got theories. More theories. Yeah. Theories lead to more theories. My theories are right. Above all, we just get theories usually. But <laughs> we're trying. Yes. In so, my head, I'm correct. Yeah. So as we go through tonight, we talk about things. Um, if you guys have any comments you want to swing our way, any questions you have, you can reach us on Twitter at Parababble, or you can reach us at Facebook.com slash Parababble. Uh, let us know what you think. And um, as we move forward, you have questions, you want to drop us some comments, we'll be able to get them on future shows. Um, and we'll try to give you guys a heads up too as we move forward a little bit more about what we're going to be talking about so you can kind of um, be right there along with us. Uh, you know, at some point we'll probably have some guests, we'll probably um, figure out a way to make things a little more interactive. But because we are still kind of on our learning curve, Episode two. Episode, Episode two. two. It sounds so much better when you say it like that. You know, it reminds me of like Star Wars. Episode, Episode two. two. That one wasn't that good though. No, kind of wasn't. Oh, yeah, hopefully the show will be better than that then, right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope episode one wasn't that bad. Well, yeah. Our goal tonight is to get to double digits in viewers and listeners. Right. I think that can be accomplished. But we still all need to say hi to our moms. Hi, hi mom. mom. Hello, mom. All right, so what are we talking about tonight? Um, things that go bump in the night. Well, we do love those kinds of things. Yes. And I think we're going to talk about ghost hunting. Oh, what? ghost hunting. Do we know anything about this? I mm. know nothing. Are we qualified to talk about this topic? I nope. never have a flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Rule number one, never wear flip-flops on an investigation. Right. That's right. Yeah. How many how many times did we penalize people on our team for that? Well, it happens when they're new and learning. I mean, I wore my flip flops. Investigators. I wore my gels. <laughs> were they sparkly? Well, you know of how course, I, do love I know you do love things that are sparkly. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to be talking about ghost hunting, past, present, and future. Um, this is kind of an interesting topic because the field has changed so much from when we first started. Um, you know, groups tend to come and go really quickly. And, um, you know, I think there's something to be said about the fact that we've had some staying power. A little bit, a little bit. You know? Yep, yep. Been around the block a couple times. Been around the graveyard a couple times. Yep. We're all in one piece. Yep. Mostly. Well, <laughs> mostly. 
No serious injuries. We've, we've figured out how to get around things. Yeah. Bring extra toilet paper. Yes. Yeah. And usually a really heavy coat because we do live in Buffalo. And a lot of places we investigate don't always have heat. No heat, no electric, no water. No. It can be really distracting when you're looking for ghosts and your fingertips are frozen. This yeah. is true. And that will happen in April or May, too, in these places. Oh, they, yeah. They have no heat or electric, but they're just 30 takes, degrees cooler inside than it is outside. It takes those buildings a long time to warm up. And I'll tell you what, right off the bat, a lot of paranormal enthusiasts don't have the first clue when it comes into the situation. Nope. It's true. And it, tell you, that'll also make your experience really bad. It will be a crap night for you if you're frozen. And that is the worst thing in the world. Yep, and unfortunately, it tends to happen. A lot. Yep. We invest in those hand warmers, you know, the little packets that you get. Put them in your shoes, put them in your pockets, put them wherever you you can possibly stuff them so that you don't lose any feeling and you keep all your fingers and toes. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah. Yep. I suppose people down south carry ice packs with them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They got it lucky down there. (laughs) Yeah. We should go down there and start investigating. Mm Mm-hmm. But Prone has been um, everywhere from Kentucky to Canada. Uh, We have been actively investigating for a number of years now. Uh, We investigate businesses, private, public spaces. Um, We don't charge any fees for anything that we do. Uh, If you want more information or want to see some of the places that we have investigated, you can go to our website at www.pro-ne.org. There is an internet tip jar there also. (laughs) So you can leave us a tip. Hopefully a nice one. Or you can check us out on Facebook too. And that's probably the best way to do it because, you know, we update that pretty regularly and post some pictures and videos from investigations. So This is true. Yep. We're even going to start putting some live investigation feed on there. Yeah, that's that's a new circus for us. Yeah, through Ustream. Yep. So you'll actually, if you uh, go onto our Facebook page, you like it, you will be able to get the link and see us investigate live and interact with us right as we're doing it, which my mom and dad love. Of course, (laughs) as all parents should. (laughs) So we kind of wanted to just touch base a little bit tonight about uh, where ghost hunting came from, where it kind of ended up and where it's going, Um, you know, and... Along the way, we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about our experiences, some of the stuff that we've seen, things we know work well, things we know don't work well, and uh, some of the issues that you know we've encountered as we've kind of taken this paranormal journey together. Oh, that sounds so sweet. Doesn't it? Like one together. big happy family. Para-family. Para-families. <laughs> Gotta love them. <laughs> we just like to put the word para in front of everything. Everything. That's right? what we do. Para-dinner. Para-bowling. Yeah. <laughs> Paragolfing. Why is it all sports and, and food related? That's all we do. <laughs> we don't really ghost hunt. This is all we do. What, we about, just... what about parasailing? Because that's a real thing. Ooh. Oh. So how, what's, I gotta look into that now. Leave it to Rob to make it legit. Yeah. What about para drinking? I like that. That's the after show, people. That's the after after show. Yes. Yeah. After Our... the investigation. All right, so what do you guys know about the future of ghost hunting? You think this uh, this is going lots of places, or you think that um, you know we're kind of in a downward spiral right now? I don't think we're in a downward spiral. I think it's going nowhere. I think we've peaked. Oh, we've peaked already. There's really nothing happening out there 
technology-wise. Um, a lot of the reports we get back from different groups or friends of us that do this is the same that we get. Uh, so I don't I have I've been on this trend for about a year now that we're banging our heads against the wall and we're getting very minimal results and it's always the same thing. So I, I have not seen one clean cut breakthrough and you really have to step outside of watching the TV ghost shows because let's face it, they can do all kinds of crazy stuff and make it look, you know, real or it's the next sensational thing that's going to happen. But when you get down into like bluegrass ghost hunting, it's the same stuff. It's recording, it's video, it's picture. That's what you want. You want that evidence. And sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. And do we know anybody that's come through with any type of breakthrough? Like, this is the holy grail. We got it. No, but I'm about to blow your mind right now. Oh, no. What? Because you know what I think the future is? I think it's our past. Everything comes full circle. Everything old is new again. Every technique that we talk about, you know, we get on this whole technological kick where we're going to do all this new and crazy innovative stuff, and then what do we do? We go old school. We bring it right back to where we started everything all over again. So what you're saying is we don't need all these fancy gadgets. Well, I mean, I'm sure that we can probably talk a little bit more about that, but... I think if we need to look at, you know, where we are and where we're headed, we have to think about where we came from. I think you're going to tell us where we came from. Well, I don't know where you came from. I think it might have been oh. another planet. Oh. Are we creeping into the alien thing again? Yeah. In episode two? We will creep into it. I think this is, gonna be a, this is going to be a running theme. We will creeper Them and the creeper peekers. Peekers. Yeah. Creeper Every peekers. episode. Okay. Yep. It's okay. a standard, it's people. It's all tied together. Join the ship. We'll have the shirts ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, how long do you think people have been ghost hunting? Forever. Truly ghost hunting or seeing stuff going, hey, this isn't right? Well, how long do you think like people like have talked about Probably a thousand this? years or so. It's been out there for a while. But I'm sure there's people out there who have made it popular. Or people actually latched on to some ideas of what's going on that, you know, we can't explain. Yeah, none of this is a new concept. No. This has been going on for since the beginning of time. Yes. People have seen specters and spirits and all kinds of things. And that's kind of a point to think about right from the beginning. Because do you think that this stuff really exists? Or do you think this is just a coping mechanism for things that can't be explained? Or people's desire to want to think that there's something after this? Does it exist, Rob? Mm. We're asking the house skeptic. Yay. (laughs) He's budging in episode two here, people. Um, I think that it's still just far beyond any capabilities we have to prove or disprove it either way. I don't think we'll ever see that in our lifetime. So we're just getting the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. Hmm. I agree. I think... uh, Well, it's kind of scary to think that the Egyptians had the Book of the Dead and we're no closer to figuring things out in our present day. And those guys are supposed to be the top of the food chain when it comes to this stuff. (laughs) Because you know, aliens did is the pyramids. That's true. Going with it. Ancient aliens. Yes, it is. (laughs) When in doubt, it was the aliens. Of course. But I think when we look at the modern techniques that we use, there's definitely some things that have taken place in the past that kind of have led us down that point. 
you know, and I mean, I think it's kind of crazy when we talk about, you know, oh, this whole ghost hunting trend and how it happened and, and what took place because there was a ghost hunting trend back in the 70s and there was a ghost hunting trend in the 50s and there was a ghost hunting trend in the early 1900s. So there's been ghost hunting trends, you know, pretty regularly throughout history. I think that the only reason why it's affected us so much now is because we have things like television and internet. And if we go before video or audio or pictures, there's people out there, civilizations, that were recording this stuff with nothing, with no technological type of understanding. So they're writing it down or putting it on cave walls, saying, hey, this is what we have. And it's taken all these years to get there, and we're trying to, I think what what we're trying to do is put the two pieces together, and yet we still haven't. We put them in the same jar, but it's almost like an oil vinegar thing going on. Right, it's like this ongoing quest that who knows if we'll ever get to a point where it'll make sense and we'll have some concrete proof of something. Yeah, because even if you look at, like we said, this whole possible ghost thing has been going on for a thousand years or so. It's only been in the last hundred years where we've gotten the technology that we use now to try and prove or disprove it. You know, voice recorders, uh, videos, photos, and even those, like when they were first invented, it was not something that was very reliable or easy to use or even easy to access. And that's even only been in the recently last 10, 15 years as far as like video and pictures goes with HD and now we have digital cameras now. I mean, you don't even have to go and get film developed anymore. So wow. that's all like recent instant technology recent at your fingertips. Yeah. I still remember those cameras. Remember you put the film in, you have to move the thing back and forth and then yep. take the picture and move the click. next one. You're around then? Is this reincarnation? <laughs> What's going on here? Am I in the right show? <laughs> this episode's got me confused. <laughs> You're in a parallel dimension. Oh, no. Oh, not that again. (laughs) Which version of you are we actually seeing? Uh, I hope a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, um, you know, when we talk about this stuff, there's a couple key people to kind of touch on. And um, if anybody out there knows us, you know, we tend to do lectures um, around our area. We offer free classes. We really try to do a lot of community outreach for people. Um, that want to learn and want to be a part of what this whole field is, um, you know, and there's, you know, always a little bit of history that we talk about just so people kind of have an understanding of how we got to where we are currently. Got to have the grassroots. Yeah, and it's definitely there. I mean, you know, did you know that the guy that wrote Sherlock Holmes was a ghost hunter? Did we? Yeah. No, not until I joined the group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, ooh, knowledge. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we always talk about, kind of start off with uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is best known throughout, you know, the realms outside of the paranormal as being the author of Sherlock Holmes, but he was a huge, um, you know, important person when we look at the spiritualist movement in, you know, the way that we know modern ghost hunting now. You know, he had a lot of people in his family that passed away in a relatively short amount of time, and he was searching for answers, much like we always do Mm -hmm. and his whole thing was that he tried to use mediums to connect to his loved ones so do you you think um i mean this is this has to do with past and future um like the current state of ghost ghost hunting in the paranormal field and everyone that's in it 
do you think were considered crazy or do you think it was rougher back then when they were first coming into this picture they were getting maligned for everything that they were talking about and that they were crazy do you is there still a relative balance to that or is one greater than the other well i think to a certain extent it's kind of always been a taboo topic you know i mean it's touchy first of all because if you talk to people who are you know have strong religious beliefs they don't want to hear about ghosts and, right. and that sort and coming back after you pass away and that sort of thing. And I think it automatically, you know, kind of puts a bad taste in people's mouth that that's what their belief system is. Um, but I think it ebbs and flows. When it's popular in the general culture, it's great to be a ghost hunter, right? Oh yeah. Well, you're accepted. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It definitely goes back back and forth. Like there's times when it's a little more accepted. I mean, it's like you said, it's never fully accepted. I mean, even going back as far as like. The spiritual movement, like you said, in the early 1900s, 1800s. I mean, it was it was more accepted. I'm sure not everybody accepted it. And then even going back as far as like, I mean, it was popular again, like you said, in the 50s and the 70s. And I don't think there was a whole lot going on in the 80s or 90s. But then when all these shows popped boom, up, boom, yeah. the shows in like the mid 2000s, it was a lot more accepted again. Right. It was good to be you because people are like, oh, you ghost hunt. Oh, my God. You know, I have yeah. this friend or I had this happen. And then when it kind of goes back underground, which I think we're in the future tense talking right now, it's kind of back under the ground. There is a few shows hanging on due to really strong, popular, whatever they're doing. They're sticking with it and it's working. But, you know, once that's completely gone, you're going to say, hey, I ghost hunt. You're going to kind of maybe get the... Uh, the eye, like, uh, yeah, okay, better stay away from this guy. And I think even back w when this started, you'd have to look at people who were very closed off in society. They wouldn't let out their true secrets or if there was any problems or anything like that. They kept it skeletons in the closet. So I think they probably would have gotten harassed a lot except for these few people that stepped out of the shadows and said, hey, guess what? There goes one. And, you know. Well, that's a good point. I think that whoever brings this stuff to the forefront of society at whatever particular time, if they're a respected member of society, then it kind of becomes a more respected topic to talk about. So somebody like, you know, Doyle, who is well-respected, mm -hmm. you know, as being a scholarly person and, you know, someone who wasn't crazy, that, you know, he kind of had a lot of success in making this more popular because people bought onto it because if somebody of his caliber stood behind what these things were, then there must be something to it. So Joe Schmo's eating it. Right, yeah. of course. That's... He cannot come out of the closet. He's going to have to be that under underground type of guy that's doing this and not really letting it out. Yeah, that's kind of a good point, though, because, I mean, you, you hear stories about how Abraham Lincoln used to have seances in the White House. I mean, could you imagine if uh, Obama was doing seances in the White House today? Not happening. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So definitely. it definitely, like, public perception is a huge, huge yeah. thing. Yeah. So I think maybe it's even worse now in some ways. Okay, so we're going back underground, right, people? I think that's what's... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of what's happening. You know, it's... You know, we talk all the time about how it's so hard to build para-unity. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> There's Sneaking the para again. Um, because, you know, first of all, groups are turning over so often and then the other part of that is that you're kind of vying for the same spaces all the time. You know, it's kind mm -hmm. of like a, 
you know, well, if I go here and you go here, then, you know, this is mine and that's yours. And it kind of gets crazy. So, you know, the more groups you have, it's good in a way because it's bringing more awareness to what you're doing. It's making it more public, but it's also bad in some ways because it makes it less legitimate, I think, in a lot of ways, too. You know, if anybody can just pick up a flashlight and do this, what does it say about the credibility of the evidence that we're getting? Right. And that's kind of what happened somewhat in our slightly shortened 2006 forward. Everybody was a, a paranormal investigator and we ended up seeing all kinds of things wrong with the system. But because the mass saw it on TV or heard it and they did conventions, guess what? Well, it must be good. You know, so they sold it to the to the everyday Joe who could go out there now and run around with a flashlight. And that became our presence, which kind of worries me a little bit, too, because, you know, people are out there learning the wrong techniques when it comes to ghost hunting and what is real, what you shouldn't do and what you look you should look out for. And not everybody's that way, but a majority, if, if you talk to a lot of people like we do lectures and we always do a, a Q&A, we really want to know what the people are thinking about this and we'll take in what they're saying and we can kind of judge and gauge where it's going and how they're perceiving it and what our angle is. I'm not saying we're the greatest ghost hunters ever, but we've all paid our dues in this group and we've all come to an understanding of what a solid base it is that we stand on and that's how we, we stream out from it. So, you know... Well, and I think it helps to have a healthy balance in the group, too. You know, as you guys get to know us more, we kind of all have different viewpoints about things. You know, Rob tends to be more of the skeptic. I tend to be more spiritual-based of things. And Jeff tends to be, you know, the thinker. He, he wants to know, you know, every side and every angle of something. And, you know, we have some other members of our group that, you know, have varying different beliefs, too. And I think that makes it really healthy because... You know, you can kind of look at things as a whole picture then and mm -hmm. get all the different angles of it as opposed to just, you know, this is what we believe and this is what we think it is. Absolutely. So I think it helps. So having a healthy dose of, you know, skepticism and, and spiritualism seems to be a really good way to look at things. And when we talk about, you know, like the history of everything, you know, Doyle was more of that spiritualist, but he had a really good friend who was the complete and total opposite, and that was Harry Houdini. Ooh. So you Mr. wouldn't Harry. think about Harry Houdini in ghost hunting, right? Mm, no. But he definitely had a huge part in the history that, you know, has come to be ours. So That got, really gets yeah. looked over a lot. Of course. Well, he was a magician, as everyone knows. But at the same time, he did a lot to try to disprove um, some of the scrupulous, you know, unscrupulous mediumship stuff that was going on at the time, which kind of forced a lot of the legitimate things that were happening underground. You know, again, you get that whole cycle of it's out in the public eye, more and more people start doing it, you lose the essence of what the credibility is, it forces it underground. So you can kind of see how all of this stuff tends to be related, but that's really what he did. And it was so much so that he had a falling out with Doyle because Doyle really believed that he had magic in him. He thought that some of the stuff he did was just too incredible and beyond belief. And Houdini was like, buddy, you're crazy. I'm, yeah, that's, that's such I'm against, a trickster. Yeah, yep, that's such against that's, the... He wants to he wants to be the fraud buster out there. And right. he's the biggest one sitting there, like, you know, making things disappear, coming out of here, coming out of there. And, you know, that's just so funny when it comes to that contrast about, you know, I'm going to bust you for being a fraud. I can show you because I'm the biggest fraud. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not you. If you think about it, really, a, a magician or an illusionist like that, that's a perfect kind of person you'd want on your group to help debunk things. So I know last week we were talking about uh, getting a trained soldier to join the group, and I think we should get a magician this week. Oh, yeah. try, and get a, try and get a magician, someone out there who's a magician. So you being the skeptic, are you going to start doing card tricks for us, or what are we in for here? No, I don't have time for that. <laughs> we ain't got that's time why, for that. That's why we're recruiting a magician. Yeah, we want. We just want to sit back and send in people. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna no, be like a decent a... magician, though. I, I can't have like somebody yeah. who's like you know, so really bad. Was that Chris Angel was out? Or... <laughs> yeah, he's out. Hey, okay. I like Chris Angel. I, I do would too. Take him in a heartbeat. <laughs> Looks don't count. <laughs> he's got the ghost hunter look, though. Yeah, he, yeah does. he does. He's very gothic looking. Yep. Yeah, he could get his. Oh, he does have his own TV show, doesn't he? Yeah, we're out. Yeah. TV shows. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. And ghost hunting. He's but... like a modern day Houdini. Was. He's still performing though in Vegas. Yeah. So, so this whole thing about uh. So you've got skeptics, you've got spiritualists, you've got this whole movement started of where is it going, what's going to happen. So the next thing that happens is like we were just saying, it has to go underground again because so much fraud was happening. And one of the key people, besides Houdini, the next in line to kind of look at that fraud, um, was a man by the name of Harry Price. So he definitely was a skeptic, but he wasn't a cynic. And there's a difference between that. And we kind of always talk about that with Rob. So you want to explain what the difference is for everyone? Sure. Uh, I know I've identified myself as a skeptic a couple times already. Um, and a skeptic is someone who kind of has to look at things from all angles. They have to have proof one way or the other as to whether something could be paranormal. Uh, for example, if I cannot come up with a clear explanation of something, I am then forced to consider it paranormal because it's not normal, it's paranormal. I mean, I have a real explanation for it, but that's just what it is. I don't have an explanation for it. Whereas a cynic is someone who, they don't care what you throw at them. No matter what, it's not paranormal. They they might not have any explanation, they won't have any explanation as to why it won't be paranormal. But they will say, oh no, it can't be paranormal. They might just be like, ah, oh, it's got to be something, which is not an explanation. Something isn't an explanation. Haters. Yeah. so harry price really did a couple of things that were key the first thing he did was um, the study of the borley rectory in essex england so if anybody out there knows about this place it was you know supposedly the most haunted house in all of england at one point Um, but one of the techniques that he used is something we still employ today so he basically got a bunch of people to go and observe this house and take notes on everything they saw. And at the end of this time frame that he did this, he had so much information, he was able to publish two whole books about the rectory. Um, he did some actual experiments within the rectory, too, to try to prove or disprove that there was uh, paranormal activity. Um, some of that seems to be legit. Some of that seems to be questionable. Um, but he also took a big stance against uh, the same thing that Houdini did as far as trying to you know, get people who were defrauding the public. Right. So William Hope, who was a spiritual photographer, if anybody is familiar with what that looks like, I mean, you've probably seen pictures of, you know, a person sitting there with a ghostly image behind them of a deceased relative. Um, So 
Price was really instrumental in kind of bringing that to the forefront as being something that was very fraudulent and could easily be duplicated. He actually duplicated some of the exact same photos that William Hope did. Um, the other thing that he's pretty famous for is the persecution of Helen Duncan, who was a medium in England. Um, she was obviously doing some very fraudulent things with some cheesecloth. Helen. <laughs> it's always back to the cheesecloth. Helen on her cheesecloth. <laughs> But she was uh, the first person to ever stand trial for that um, legitimately. And he was a part of disproving that she was, you know, not really doing what she thought she was doing or what she said she was doing. So, you know, every time I see cheesecloth in a store, I automatically think of Helen Duncan (laughs) regurgitating it. I can't see it without picturing her with that stuff coming out of her nose now. It's just... Yeah. Ectoplasm, a.k.a. cheesecloth. <laughs> nice. So it's kind of sad, though. I mean, you think about it, you know, people are very vulnerable when they're sad and they've had a loss and, you know, they're reaching out in any way, shape, or form to they find can. find that something. Yeah, and it's such a vulnerable place to be that it's it's just really sad that there are people that would take advantage of that and, you know, prey on it. And um, and it, it still happens today, you know, unfortunately. It's, it's sad. They're just not executed. Well, she wasn't executed either. <laughs> she went to jail, but they didn't kill her. This is not Salem. They didn't uh, burn her at the stake. Oh, oh Salem. Like, like, that's another topic. Who's this lady with a cheesecloth coming out of her nose? Just throw her in prison. You know, yeah, she don't touch any of her it. hankies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, how does that even work? What, like, what does, she, does she put it in her mouth first and then just pull it out through her nose? Yeah. Her I mean, you got to have a talent to be able to do just yeah. that, right? Could have been in the circus. Yeah. Could have been a magician. <laughs> her and harry could have hooked up no yeah you never know right but things like that are important to think about you know because like i said before everything old is new again so you can kind of see that ebb and flow of how things become popular and public opinion goes one way and something happens and it gets swayed back so, so right now we got the building blocks what we're doing right here the past yeah these are all the building blocks that we look forward to now but i think now with so much technology it is really easy to get by and fake stuff and we've all been victim to that once or twice along the way so or some know. of us have even tried to disprove things that we've done and can't do it right so yep. talk about that but if we look at where we're going next in the history of all of this in the grand scheme of things so when we leave price we come to probably the most influential person in the history of modern ghost hunting any guesses on who that would be? Hmm. No. Prone? <laughs> Cheap plug. I know. Who is it, Rob? Hans Holzer. Oh, yes. Hans. 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 Hans and Franz? No, just No, Hans. Franz wasn't around yet. So for anyone who knows anything about ghost hunting, you cannot have a conversation about its history without talking about Holzer. And if somebody doesn't bring it up, then you know they don't know their history. Right. They've probably never read a book. They've never done any research because he has written over a hundred of them. It's hard not to come across at least one. Um, the case that he's most famous for? Uh, Amityville Horror. You got it. Probably one of the most famous cases ever when it comes to the paranormal. But Holzer did some really um, interesting things that we still do today too. So he was the first one to really jump in and use recorders voice recorders Mm -hmm. when he was going out in investigations 
Um, he also worked with mediums, but he did this really great thing where he would not tell the medium anything about the location or the situation or what was going on, bring them in cold, as we like to say, and have them go into trance, get some information, and then he would compare that with what he knew to be fact with whatever it was that they came up with. So it kind of took that whole thing to a new level because mm-hmm. then there was some chance of validation. Now, was it possible that that wasn't necessarily the way things worked out and maybe the medium could have had some pre-knowledge of where they were going or what took place? Sure. Chances are if you live in a small town and there's a multi-faceted murder that takes place and it's headline news, you're going to have some idea. So, I mean, even to that, you have to be a little bit skeptical. Yeah. But the techniques that he employed are things that we still utilize when we ghost hunt. And we almost consider that like a stripped-down version of ghost hunting. Right. Where you use a recorder, a camera. And a notepad. And a notepad. Yep. I mean, Write down your impressions. We tend to go backwards more so. I mean, I, I'm speaking for prone here. We tend to go backwards and use some of his techniques where it's just like we walk in with very minimal equipment. And then we will actually um, not tell people in the group some of the history and see if we can base that out and see how it works out for us and a lot of times it does work and then other times it's hit and miss you know so but it's still a thing that we're using that he's set up and kind of rounded up i think he i I think you know him being the next step i also think he really organized the outlook for it all i mean you came with a lot of different things you know you came with the frauds the, the, the cameras this that and everything else he just said boom this is what i'm gonna do i'm gonna ring in three things i'm gonna sit down listen to the client i'm gonna take my notes and that is now the fact that we have and that's what we do you know it's it's sometimes we find the simple things work better when it comes to ghost hunting 101 yeah he really believed that he used to refer to ghosts as stay behinds and he really thought that there was a reason why people stayed behind why they were still here so his whole objective was to figure out what that reason was so kind of along the same lines of what we do Mm -hmm. and I really think that you know like we've been saying is that in order to know where you're going you have to know where you came from and it definitely started way before there was you know some tv shows that took place absolutely you know it's just important to to know those things and to look to the masters and when you go ghost hunting and you talk to different people you also see a lot of the same likeness that happens with people and their hauntings in and what is going on in their lives and like you said we've run into hundreds and hundreds of people and they all it all it's all like a same pattern and it's also a building block but every once in a while you'll find something in that that building pattern that sticks out to you and it's totally different and that's where you put these blocks and you build them i think that's what holzer was all about too i mean he made it simple but by sitting back and recording all this and putting it down on paper, you could really analyze where he was going with it. And, you know, his daughter to this day is still doing active investigations and, and working with, you know, the Holzer estate and trying to really let ghost hunters who really want to know their facts and basis, you know, get that message out there. This is what my dad did. And like you said, he had over 100 books that just validated everything when it comes to ghost hunting, you know. Can you imagine what it must have been like to have him as your dad? I think we should have her on the show. I know. That would be pretty amazing. I'd like to know, like, if he was just a normal guy when he wasn't ghost hunting or if that was, like, you know... He never shut off. Right. Yeah. It'd be kind of crazy. 
so you know i think that uh we kind of hinted where the next bit of this was going you know we kind of touched on amityville a little bit and there's been a lot of debate about whether or not amityville was legitimate as a haunting um you know it was taken as absolute truth back in the day now there's been some things that have come up in the last maybe 10 eight years or so that have kind of you know, made us out the window. think that maybe that yeah. wasn't necessarily the case, but there was definitely two paranormal investigators. And I don't know, we tend to use the term ghost hunter, paranormal investigator. I don't know, maybe we can broach that at some point and talk about, you know, the difference between those two things, because there's definitely a difference in it. And I think the public perceives you differently when you say, I'm a paranormal investigator or I'm a ghost hunter. One sounds much more professional than the other. Yeah, it definitely does. What about demonologist? Oh, uh, let's not go there. No? Aren't we heading to the next phase well, we here? Are, yeah. This is kind of tying uh, in. You hear demonologist, they must be important. So who are the most famous demonologists? Robert? Ed and Lorraine Warren. Yep, that would have to be them, right? So yeah. now religion suddenly yeah. comes and plays a mm-hmm. huge part in ghost hunting. So you have the whole exorcist movement. Yeah. And you look at the 70s, all those movies that came out. I mean, they made one on the Amityville Horror, like, shortly after the whole thing happened there, where, I mean, people really did die there. And then they made this crazy movie where there's all these ghosts and demons coming out of the house. And then, of course, the exorcist just blew it up even more. So that was a whole new start, a whole new trend. Yep. Taking it to the next level, whether it be truthful or not. That also goes backwards, too, in our, our past. But this was another in-your-face action happening. And it was a, ch- a changing point when yeah. Ed and Lorraine got busy with a lot of this stuff. Well, I think that that's where you know the whole good and evil kind of starts to happen. Because up until that point, there's a lot of questioning and yeah. a lot of trying to debunk or mm-hmm. prove or disprove. But then this whole tide kind of changes. And, you know... The Exorcist itself caused, like, all kinds of pandemonium in the movie theaters, and people were, like, dropping on the ground and convulsing Mm -hmm. and having all kinds of crazy things happen. So when you think about what that climate looked like as far as ghost hunting goes, um, you know, you can kind of see that probably everyone had some kind of experience that they wanted to talk about because it was acceptable to do it at that time. But religion starts to play a huge part in it. That's when you start to see the... The battle of good and evil. Yeah, it made it so much more extreme. Because before it was just like, oh, well, is there something on the other side with us? But now all of a sudden it's not us as ghosts. It's the demons. Yeah, something otherworldly. Yeah. The devil. That has the power to inflict pain and hurt you and make you go insane. And And millions of people fell under that. Millions of people fell under that. It was sort of a a fresh take on the whole ghost thing that had been around for a while. It was very brash and in your face. Yeah. Something we hadn't seen. Something that came back around, I guess. The whole demon thing. It's probably where the shows are holding on to demons today. Yeah. You know, because like you said, 80s and 90s kind of went underground a little bit. Kind of stayed. Well, there was one bump in the road in the 80s. Yep. Who are you going to call? Oh. Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. We got to talk about that. That's part of our history. It is. I know for me, Scooby-Doo and Ghostbusters were the two things that made me think, wow, ghost hunting. Yeah. How yeah, I'd cool. go with Scooby-Doo. Yep. That was probably one of Scooby, my big Scooby ones. Scooby-Doo, where are you? Right? Yep. Ghostbusters. 
You're a Ghostbusters guy. Yeah. Well, he's a little bit younger than us. Yeah. Ghostbusters so. actually came out two years before I was born, but I... S- oh, my God. Did he really just so... say that? Age verification check, please. Uh, but those are two important things again it is it became normal to talk about stuff like that when ghostbusters came out every kid had a proton pack and a slimer and it was the cool thing again and i never looked at marshmallows the same right i mean it was the thing to do (laughs) i wish i had a proton pack now i'm the gatekeeper are you the key master somebody's gonna be a key master i mean seriously it was the coolest thing yeah, it was definitely way different than the take in the 70s with all these demons. It was much lighter, much, much lighter. And it's it's interesting because Dan Aykroyd's father was a real ghost hunter. And that's kind of where he based yep. all... And Dan, Dan Aykroyd's yeah. also a believer in it, and yeah. he learned the whole, the whole way. Yeah. I think what made that movie so cool is that these were intelligent guys. You know, they were professional, intelligent, smart, smart people that believed in this. So it made it more mm-hmm. believable for everybody else. Again, mm-hmm. you look at where those people are elevated in society. You know, if you've got scientists and teachers and professors that are out doing this, even though it's ridiculous to a certain extent, it made it, you know, more acceptable for the public. Did we see a spike in ghost hunting with that? I'm sure we probably did. But we weren't paying attention because we, we weren't around that. And we didn't have peak. the media to know how many people were actually right. out there. There's no, you know, knocking down YouTube doors. to be sharing what you were doing. Ah, technology. See, I tried. Again. I tried to remember, but I was just a baby back then, so I couldn't. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but that movie was awesome. I mean, you think about like I don't know. My favorite scene is when they go to the library for the first time, mm-hmm. and the card catalog is. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. And then they turn around and there's that full body apparition of the librarian and she gives them the shh. I mean, it's like the best thing. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Every time we investigate a library, and we've investigated many libraries, I always think of that. Yep. Mm-hmm. It sticks in your brain. I'm waiting to get hit with a book. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. Well, we've had them fly off shelves, just this not at us. This is true. We've had them yeah. fly off shelves. Not so many card catalogs around anymore, though, unfortunately. No. But I really think the, the lightheartedness of it really came at a good good time in the approach. You know, because at that point, yeah, we had horror movies with this stuff, but, you know, at that, uh, even in the 80s, you know, The Exorcist, 90s, Exorcist, it was still very popular in its ways and beliefs, and the, the, the whole ghost-busting thing was just a very... You know, granted, now the actors are comedians too, so I think that had a lot to play within the way the story was written. But they they made it acceptable. They made it a little softer for you know the communities out there and people that want to go watch this stuff. But as paranormal investigators or ghost hunters, we we tend to look at that as a you know ground zero for us because that's just a great movie. It's a classic. It's funny. You know, generation after generation, my kids watch it. You know, I'm sure their kids are going to watch it, and it's still going to be around because... Oh, yeah. I still, if I had some ecto-cooler, I'd be drinking it right now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's sweet. But when you think about it, I mean, they were like the lighter side, the funnier side. Scooby-Doo yeah. was kind of the same thing, but Scooby-Doo debunked. They debunked every single week. They found out who those ghosts were. 
I don't ever think it was like a legitimate ghost. God, we suck. (laughs) (laughs) We can't ever get an answer. We need a mystery van. (laughs) Yes. We need a really good writer. (laughs) We need Shaggy. Mm -hmm. No, that's that's some good stuff there. Yeah, definitely. So the 80s, we had Ghostbusters. So now moving into the 90s. So now the 90s, I think it goes back down again. It goes back underground. You know, the uh, kitschiness of Ghostbusters kind of comes to a point of where people are just done. You know, you had the cartoon series and mm-hmm. it kind of went downhill from there. And it just wasn't, you know, what it was anymore. And then the early 2000s, late 1990s happened. And it oh, no. started all over again with two plumbers. Are they really plumbers? Well, they were at the time. But think about it. This is why it caught on and it was so popular. They were two regular guys. It taught yeah. us that anybody could pick up a flashlight and do this. Oh, here we go again with anybody and, and everybody. And have it be oh. legit. Right? This, yeah, that's legit. true. Uh, well, at least in the, the public eyes. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, maybe they set it out. I don't know who or what decided to say in 2006, 2005 that, hey, you know what would be really cool? Let's put on a ghost show. Let's take two average people and let them go around and run a recorder and a camera and see if they can capture anything. Let's scare America. Yeah, it's still going on, right? It's still going That's one of the main surviving ones. I'm going to ask you guys a question now. I want your opinions about this. So when shows like that first came out, which I'm sure you both remember, mm-hmm. Rob might have been out of his diapers by then. Yeah. Just out. Just out. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, when those shows first started, how many times did they find things that they couldn't explain? It was very rare. That's why I liked it. That's why I liked them when they first started. Man, you're boring. You yeah. got to find some stuff. I know. I, was, <laughs> I, I couldn't stop Now, watching. how many times do they find things when they go places? Every single time. So here's my question. Do you think that the reason for this is because as they've gotten more popular and more well-known, they're able to investigate more well-known haunted places that have more potential for activity. Yes. Or do you think it's because they're desperately trying to hold on to the fame of what this is and they need to keep it interesting so people keep tuning in? Right. That's like a two-fold question, though. I, I do think that they're trying to hold on to it because they've made a career out of it. You know, if Joe Schmo wasn't the plumber and he was actually a ghost hunter... You know, great. You know, they came at us truthfully. But as the shows have gained popularity, um, you want to hold your viewer because how many how many weeks in a row are you going to watch something come in and go, Ugh, nothing happened? Oh, they heard a they heard a ping or a clank. Well, if Zach Baggins is involved, <laughs> <laughs> that was an off camera smirk here. For those of you that don't know, Jeff has a bromance with Zach. Yes. That we never let him live down, ever. <laughs> He's the almighty ghost hunter. Oh, goodness. I don't know, Rob. What He's up there with that? Mr. Holzer. Which kind of, you know, that leads to a funny thing. No, Hold no, on. No, yes, I'm gonna. I'm ever. absolutely going to go Take in back. a direction, probably. <laughs> Give me 40 years from now. Who are we going to be talking about? Who's who's our generational ghost hunters that we know? Who? Who went to that next step? Or have we already come to the point where we've stalemated with everything that we can do and we just hope for the best when we go ghost hunting? Are we going to go back? 
oh, geez, in the 2000s, that was Zach Bagans. He was like one of the greatest ghosts. He was one of that took it to the next step. Or is it just a popular, you know, he's a celebrity now. I mean, where does that line go? I think he's too celebrity. I what about Jason or Grant from Ghost Hunters? Maybe them, just because of how... Low-key? Low-key. Well, they were the how first. Legit, yeah, they too. were the originals that kind of yeah. brought on, and the show seemed very legit at first, at least. Yeah, like, it was for a while, but I don't know. I, I haven't... I can't watch those shows anymore. But I just think they're just... Some of them, Ghost Adventures being one of them, is just way too... Out there. Uh, yeah, out there. They're and holding I their celebrity think, status. Yeah, I don't think that you could really believe everything that you see on them. Not, and that, that's every show. So then who, who, do we, who do we look at? Do we look at a John Zaffis? I mean, where do we go? He's not on TV, but he is a very well-known and respected man in the paranormal field. Well, I think that's what we need to talk about now. Where uh-huh. do we go? What does the future look like? Oh, man. That's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, you see all these shows, there's not nearly as many as there were just a few years ago. And unfortunately, the ones that do show up every once in a while, they're like, how ridiculous can we make it? And to the point where it's embarrassing when you see the promos for them or you hear just the ideas for make them. Make it where, paranormal. Yeah, I mean, you hear stuff like that and you're like... <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it, it makes me embarrassed to even say, like, this is what I do. And oh, I are think, you the, do you run around in the buildings naked too? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know? <laughs> no. Yeah, I think, I think they're going to die out even more. And I think maybe in the next 10 years or so, we'll probably see, like, a slower... Ten years? Uh, You're giving it ten years? Yeah, I mean, like maybe within the next ten years, like starting almost within the next couple of years, like the next decade. Then it would it'll be slower again. Like maybe maybe not quite as slow as the '90s were, but close to it. Yeah, I I can I can see where that would be heading because, like you said, we're back. I feel as though we're back underground again, and we're just we're spinning our wheels. We we go under. It's not popular anymore. There's not like a thousand groups running around. There's not like 10,000 shows. We're basically down to two two ghost hunting shows that come on weekly. And if you follow it because you're an enthusiast or that's what you do, you follow it. Other than that, it's not the craze. And that goes back to the whole mass media. You know, what's popular? Who brought it to us? The future, I think, is just going to be like it was before. We're just going to go there and we're going to go ghost hunt and... If it gets popular again, it will. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to go back underground mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And, you know, it won't be so public eye about what you're doing and what's happening. And I think that the reality check that people had when they actually went out and started to do this is part of what caused that. Because you watch a half-hour show or an hour-long show where you see three days of an investigation crammed into that small time frame where they're just showing you the highlights you mean out of those three days they might have had an entire day where nothing happened and we know that i mean we go to locations numerous times Mm -hmm. we'll have awesome nights where there's a ton of stuff happening other nights where it's quiet you could hear a pin drop and once people started to get to know that that's the reality of what this is i think is when you started to see some of the groups drop off because it became work it's yeah, not just it's all a hobby. fun and games and getting scared and right. running around. If you want a hobby, then you you stick to the you know public hunts and and you know stuff like that. But if you're really legitimate about wanting to 
learn and wanting to do research and collect data and do all those types of things, um, then, you know, you've got to be conscious of the effort that you have to put forth to do that. Yeah, I think, I think because of the shows and just for that reason, uh, they got hundreds and thousands of people interested in this and so even when the shows go away Millions. i don't think yeah you think how many they yeah, reached i mean yeah tens hundreds of thousands people were like i'm home friday night watching this show I mean, I still do it on Saturday nights because, well, I'm a geek in some ways. But there was millions of people coming home on a Friday night and saying, look, this is hot. This is like, you know, like Dallas back in the day or one of the popular shows that everyone could not miss. Twin Peaks, whatever it may be, that had the same captive audience, you know, week in, week out. But like you're saying. Yeah, because of that, I don't think it'll ever be as slow as it was in the past but once the shows drop off, I mean, you'll see a lot of people drop off. I mean, we do all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, for every ten people that get into this, maybe only one is in it for, like, the right reasons, like Allie was saying before. So I think there'll be less people, but there's still going to be a lot of people doing it. I do think, though, I'm going to give props, and I know you're going to get after me on this. But one of the ghost shows, I think Ghost Adventures, um, I don't want to say they've jumped the shark, because, you know, they know, they know that the ratings are down. The, the, the mass appeal to, you know, through TV viewers is down. They still get their conventions. They still have like 200 people investigating one little building because they're a celebrity. But they've taken the show, their show, to almost like the next level. And they go back to where they were and they went and showing a lot of the stuff that didn't make it to TV. Like you were saying, you take three days of investigation and you put them into a 42-minute or 44-minute show, you're not going to see everything that happened, and a lot of the pieces might not fit, but it's made for TV for you to get that. And what this show's done is they've gone back and they're putting the pieces out there that didn't make it to TV. So I think they're trying to keep grasping at that, 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 you know, that brass ring to keep people interested because, you know, Okay, we're another museum or we're another asylum. Well, what can we do? Well, you know what, Joe Schmo in this episode, this happened here, but we couldn't make it for TV. So we're going to do this thing and we're play. you know, they have a show called Extra Pulses right now and it goes backwards. And I think that's kind of a cool idea to people who really want to watch that. But, you know, in a, a grain of salt with this, you know, the future, I think, is it's going back underground. And for a lot of us, I think that's a good idea. Because a lot of these fly-by-night groups are going to disappear. Yeah, and I think it gives us the opportunity again to kind of concentrate more on why we're doing this in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know, without all the hoopla that, that gets around everything. Exactly. So whether or not the future is bright or it's dark, I mean, I think it's you know going to be something that's going to continue to evolve. And, you know, as we've been talking about tonight, you know, it's uncertain. We'll have to wait till the next big thing happens before we'll be able to gauge where we were for the past 20 years. Right. So who knows what people will say 20 years from now. Exactly. And you have to be in it for the right reasons because, you know, if you're not, you're just going to fall to the wayside. And if you're passionate about something and believe in it, you're just going to keep going at it until, you know, your time. So we want to know from you guys, what was your most favorite time period or incident that happened that made you want to get involved in the paranormal field or learn more about it even if you know you're not a ghost hunter um you know what got your interest peaked in the first place 
So if you want to share with us, you can reach us uh, through Twitter at Parababble or Facebook.com slash Parababble. Um, again, we'd love to hear from you guys. We want to thank you for listening tonight and Absolutely. being part of you know, our world for a short time. And we're just so excited that we get to share um, you know, our thoughts with uh, you guys. And we hope you want to do the same with us. So until next time, keep babbling. Keep babbling. Yeah. Babble on. Babble on. Babble on.